0: Team for leading us, man. I was thinking about that song we were singing and um, that phrase that Spencer was highlighting. Lord, tune our hearts uh, to you. And you know, when you tune an instrument, it has all has to do with tension. Uh, And sometimes uh, something needs to be tightened up, and we might feel that tension and that pull. And sometimes we're the ones that are too tightened or wound up, and we need to let God's Spirit uh, just. Let us unwind in his presence and loosen up. And our heart's desire every week as we come together and we worship and as we look into the truth of God's word, that he'd have that freedom sometimes to, to turn it up a little bit and other times to let us just ease in, uh, in through his grace and his love. It was just um, a couple weeks ago, I was introduced to a new song, a band that I wasn't familiar with and I'm getting older and so I'm not familiar with as many bands as I used to uh, think that I was. At least I'm not keeping up anymore with like all the hottest tunes. I have two college daughters and they're always sending me links to new songs. And I'm like, I, who is this? I don't. I, this name doesn't even, so there's a band called uh, the Timber of Cedar, had never heard of them and there was this song that came on and it just grabbed my attention with its very opening lyric. And here's the lyric, what if love is the measure of a life we live? What a great question. What a challenging question, right? Uh, the, the next couple lines go on, what if love is the currency that I should spend? What if love forsakes itself to give to someone else? Ultimately, that question, what if love is the measure of a life we live. It's interesting, that's not usually the way that we kind of measure life, is it? We tend to measure uh, kind of the value and the importance of our life and that of others through, you know, what they do, what they have, what they, and we accomplish, right? And yet, wh- what if love truly is the thing that we're to be measured by. At the end of the day, when you and I pass, what will people be saying and thinking and feeling about us? Will it be all tied to the things that we accomplished, um, the things that we owned or acquired? No, it's going to have to do with how we made people feel. And did they feel love? That's why as part of our 2023 vision, over these next three years, we as a church want to focus on some some significant roots to deepen our faith and deepen our lives together. And the fourth root, that's what we want to talk about this weekend, is cultivating healthy relationships. That's what we want to think about together this weekend. And that begins with a different kind of loving one another. When I think about relationships, man, there are so many relationships today that are a mess, are completely fractured. And I know for Pastor Ryan and I, the other pastoral members and our elders, you know, we hear stories and we get to spend time with you and we read the prayer cards and the comment cards and and, uh, we have interactions with people. Sometimes we know things going on in people's lives that nobody else does. And I'm telling you, our relationships are hurting. Even in our church, the chapel... There are many people that are struggling, and the relationships are dysfunctional, or the relationships are so strained, or the relationships are just being splintered. Now, what I love about the truth of God's Word is that while it was so relevant like thousands of years ago, its principles are so very relevant for the right here and the right now. And so I want to take us to a passage in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians was a, a letter that the apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4, which is where we're going to really camp out. So if you want to turn in your Bible or follow on your phone app, or we'll put the, the verses on the screen for you as well. This is what Paul writes and what he has to say about how we can cultivate healthy relationships. Here's what he writes. He says, I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, and eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Could you imagine how our relationships would change if what Paul just said to the Ephesian believers became true of your life and my life. So we want to look at this, uh, this powerful passage bit by bit. And in verse 1 he begins saying, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. Paul was uh, actually in prison, not for doing the wrong things, but for doing the right things. And yet he still found a way to show humility and love and care for other people. And he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you. The the original word there can almost mean like to, to beg you. And you wonder, why is Paul getting so serious about this? Why is he so wrapped up in this? Why is he urging, begging the Ephesian believers? I think it's because he knew what was at stake. It was their relationships with one another that was at stake. It was their witness with the rest of the world that was at stake. And it had to do with how they love. You see, we can either, in our relationship, we can live selfishly or we can live selflessly. Right? And our natural go-to is to live selfishly. And when that happens, man... We're only thinking about ourselves, and we have a hard time, you know, releasing forgiveness to others, and other people are there now to meet our needs and serve us, and that just destroys relationships when one or both people are going at life that way. And so Paul's writing to give us another uh, pathway, a pathway towards truly healthy, flourishing relationships. When it comes to our, our, our marriages and our kids and our grandkids or our friends or our co-workers, I mean, think about how would, if love is the measure of a life we live, how would the people closest to us say we're doing? That can be a challenging, yeah, I just, that was the tension. We just turned it up a little bit, didn't we? But that's what God's calling us to. And so he says, I urge you. And what does he urge us to? He says, I urge you. To walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now that word, uh, to walk, literally means like to live. It's like it has to do with your whole life, our whole lives. He's saying, he's saying, I'm urging you, I'm begging you to just live your everyday life, wherever you're at, at school, on the field, in the shop, with your kids, with your spouse, Everywhere that you are, in the grocery store, on the road when somebody cuts you off, he's saying, I'm begging you, I'm urging you to live a life, and he says, worthy of the calling which we've been called. What have we been called to? We've been called to know and follow Jesus, to become more and more like him. That's another one of our vision roots to become more and more like Christ. And that's what he's calling us to. And he says, walk worthy of that calling. It's like, it's, like when you, it's like when I say to my son, Carter, and he's doing something, I'm like, Carter, hey, you're a Nielsen. We don't do that. Right? Live up to your name, right? And the thing is, we have a way more important name to live up than Nielsen or Bechtel or Miller It's the name Christ, and if we call ourselves a Christian, we bear his name and represent that to other people, and Paul is reminding the church at Ephesus, listen, live up to your name. Walk worthy, and he's begging them. He's urging them. Now, something that we have to remember is that this isn't always easy because people don't always do the same for us. They don't always walk worthy of the name of Jesus. They don't always live in love. And it's, a, it's why it's so important for us to remember this, that we cannot control what other people do or how others treat us, but we can control, right, our own behavior and how we treat others. And yet in so many of our relationships, they're so conditional because then we start acting like, well, if she'll just do this, then I will do this. Well, if he would just, then I will. And yet there's no place for that as a follower of Jesus. Jesus is calling us to live for him and to walk worthy of our calling regardless of how others respond to that or whether they are or aren't doing it themselves. I love what Tim Keller says. He says, because the gospel, it points us to the one who died for his enemies, it creates relationships of service rather than, self, uh, than selfishness. Think about Jesus. I mean, he died for his enemies, and if we're following after him, it means that we sacrifice even for the sake of those that are against us at times, let alone those that sometimes disappoint us or let us down. And how does Paul say to walk worthy? He begins with humility. He says, with all humility. I love how C.S. Lewis describes this. He says, if anyone would like to acquire humility, I can, I think, tell him the very first step. He says, the first step is to realize that one is proud. And if you think that you are not conceited, then it means that you are very conceited indeed. (laughs) Wow. Wow. You see, the opposite of humility or the humble life is a prideful life, a life that's it, it's consumed with self, with ego. And man, our world is just feeding our egos and our pride with all the messages that it sends out. You think you read a blog post, you you watch the latest headlines, you, you turn the pages of a magazine. We're, we're bombarded with messages like, You deserve the best. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't deserve anything or that we deserve the worst. But that phrase, left to itself, without being monitored and guided by the truth of Scripture, will lead us just simply back to self and wanting the best for me all the time, even at the expense of others. Or just love yourself. Again, nothing wrong with loving yourself. But sometimes the message of the world is to the extreme of, well, love yourself, even all of your flaws, and just accept you for who you are, when Jesus is wanting to shape our lives and make us more like him, or, or become the very best version of yourself, our world says, which is, again, yes, be yourself, but be yourself in the way that Jesus made you, and that the way that Jesus wants to lead and shepherd our lives. And what happens is when our ego and when our pride gets inflated, it just starts to spill out on other people in our attitudes and in our our actions. Uh, When we feel like we're always right and we refuse to listen to others, right? We want everybody to listen to us, uh, but we don't want to slow down enough to really listen to others, or we push to get our way and then we pout when we don't. (laughs) That's pride, that's ego. That's not love. Or when we step on others to get ahead, or, or we walk around thinking that we're, we're just better than others. That's pride. And, and Paul is challenging the believers in Ephesus, and he's challenging us towards a life of humility. Humility will radically change our relationships. John Stott says the word that Paul uses here for humility means lowliness of mind the humble recognition of the worth and value of other people, or the humble mind which was in Christ and led him to empty himself and become a servant. Humility at its core is servanthood. And that's who Jesus was. Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom Many. If, if the people closest to us, our friends, co-workers, our kids, our spouse, our grandkids, if we were to ask them, hey, are our lives more about serving or being served? They would be able to tell us. And Paul's saying, let's make our lives about serving others because Jesus was about serving us. It begins with humility. He says, with all humility, and then he says, and gentleness with Patience, And in the original language, the, the, there's really no common there. Gentleness with patience, it's all like one thing, interconnected. I love how William Klein in the Bible Exposition Commentary put that he says, it characterizes the person who does not need to assert or dominate. The patient believer, he says, does not rush to give up or get even. Humility with gentleness and Patience. I think about those two words, gentleness and patience. Just take a moment and ask yourself, does that describe you? Does that describe me? Gentle and patient. I was thinking back to, I, you know, I'm a, you know what? maybe uh, those of you that know me, maybe Ryan, hopefully, he would say, yeah, I think Todd's pretty humble. He's pretty gentle, patient and and for the most part i'm i'm i am i'm pretty steady you know when i grew up um in our family my mom though she was a yeller anybody have a well, don't raise your hand because you know and you know when 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 my buttons really get pushed when i'm on edge when i'm not really close to jesus i can become a yeller too i'm thinking back to just a situation probably within the last year and a half. And I don't, honestly, right now, I I can't even think of what the situation exactly was. All I know is I was mad. And I remember standing in in the kitchen, and Gracie was right over here. Gracie's um, she's, she's 19 years old now. And I got so upset, and I remember looking over at her, and I saw fear in her eyes. And it, I mean, it crushed me. The way that she was looking at me, it was like that, that feel that when you feel like somebody's going to hit you. And I want to say I would never do that, and I, I, I had no intention of that, but my words and my anger made her feel like that could happen. That's not gentleness. That's not patience. And I know that there's probably some guys, there's probably some moms in the room, that they, they, if you were honest, you'd be like, yeah, I've been there too. And yeah, maybe we've been there, but I don't want to keep going there. And Jesus is saying, for the sake, if we want to cultivate healthy relationships, it's going to mean humility, and it's going to mean gentleness and patience. And you know who was gentle and patient? Jesus. Can you imagine if Jesus treated us the way that sometimes we treat our spouse or our kids? You see, when, when we blow it, Jesus doesn't... He doesn't just yell at us and storm out of the room. If he did, he'd be gone forever from our lives. Yeah, he just continues to, to show love and grace. And yeah, he points out hard things in our life, but he does so in love and he pulls us in close and said, "Let's come on, Todd, let's work on this. I'm with you. We can do this if you'll let me help you. Gentleness and patience. The opposite will just destroy our relationships. And then Paul goes on, he says, with, with humility and gentleness with patience, and then he says this, bearing with one another in love. We're back to love again. What if love is the measure of a life that we live? How would people say we're doing when it comes to, to loving each other. First Peter 4.8 says something very similar. It says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. Why? For love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers it, you guys. Jesus' love covers our sins. Is our love covering other sins? Or are we spending our lives pointing out each other's sins and shortcomings and faults? If we do that, it's just going to destroy our relationships. We need to ask ourselves some questions. Like, do I love more or blame more? Ooh. <laughs> do I love more or do I blame more? Do I love more or argue more? Are we quick to just go at somebody or are we quick to extend love and cover over that offense. This is, what, this is what Paul was challenging the Ephesian believers to. They didn't have it all together, just like we don't have it all together. But he's challenging, he's, remember, he's begging them. <laughs> or do I love more or po- point out others' weaknesses more? You know, some of us have relationships, a spouse, um, a child, that, they, that if we were to ask them right now, they could list out the things that we that they know that we think are their weaknesses and faults because those are the things that we say or we ensue, right? Could they could they just as quickly point out a bigger list of things that they know that they that we believe in them for. That we value them for. Wow. We've got work to do, don't we, when it comes to relationships. And it's not easy. But Jesus is calling us back to himself to truly love. And Paul finishes this passage with this powerful statement. He says, walk worthy. I'm begging you, I'm urging you to walk worthy of the calling that you've been called because you're called Christ followers. You're called Christians and so he says, if we want to walk worthy of him, it will mean humility, it will mean gentleness, it will mean patience. And then he says, and eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I love that phrase, eager. That means excited too, like ready to go. You know what I'm seeing in our world right now? You know how, what everybody is eager for and what everybody is ready to go over? It's their political beliefs, their feelings about COVID-19, and people are ready to go. Go at each other, aren't they? I've heard somebody recently say that this is the most divided time in our nation they can ever remember. And you know what the truth is? That division has seeped in to the church as a whole. And people are more divided now than they ever should be. And listen, the unity that he's talking about is not like we have to all think and believe the exact same thing. In fact, you can't have unity without, with, with all the sameness. He's saying that even when we hold different beliefs or values or have a different opinion, that it's possible to still be one. It's possible to still love And respect and honor and be gentle and be patient with each other even when we don't agree on things. And yet what I see happening in the world and even in the church is relationships are being splintered over sideline issues, you guys. And this should not be. That's why Paul was saying to the Ephesian believers, be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I love how one of my favorite pastors says it, carrying you off, he says, the gospel unites what politics and prejudice often divide. And if we're letting those things divide us, you guys, we have missed it. We've missed love. We've missed humility. We've missed gentleness and patience and brotherly love. And Paul was urging, was begging the Ephesian believers because he knew what was at stake. There's nothing more important about us than our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. It's why the band put it, what if love is the measure of the life we live. That's why as part of our 2020 vision. We want to continue to provide numerous opportunities to help all of us grow thriving, healthy relationships. What does that look like? We're going to offer more and more chapel groups. I love what Pastor Ryan and Brittany Thorne, who's here today, um, are doing to enable group life. And as people feel more comfortable, we want to help everybody get connected with other people where we can where we can be humble with each other, where we can learn to practice patience with one another so that we can practice it with one another so that we can extend it to everybody else that's out there outside of the walls of the church. We want to offer parenting classes so that, so that parents and kids uh, have, have deeper, richer relationships and we know how to handle some of the hardships of parenting. We want to offer men's and women's ministries at another level. Men's Frat is getting ready to... Uh, Yeah, they're kicking off this Friday, this this coming Friday. Um, We're going to offer a a brand new women's opportunity coming up that we're super excited to tell you about. Uh, Marriage events, there's a marriage um, virtual cruise. It's really a marriage retreat online that you can take advantage of right now if you go to our website. And check it out, and you want to just enrich your marriage relationship. And we want, to, we want to offer a class that helps people know how to mentor so that when somebody comes along and says, man, I just need help, or I haven't got this figured out yet, and I need somebody just to help me along the journey, that we can help develop those mentor relationships. And ultimately, we want to offer what's called the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Course, which will help us dive deep into who we are so that we can better understand why we do the things that we do and how we react the way that we react in our relationships and learn how to do that in an emotionally healthy way. Because there's so much at stake. We can measure our life by the things that we acquire, and we might have lots of stuff. We can measure our life by the things that we do or the, that we accomplish, and, you know, we have some incredibly accomplished people in this room but what if what if the measure of a life well lived is really all about love would you pray with me Lord thank you that you do love us and you have been so gentle and patient and kind with us Jesus, you're calling us to live out that same life with our friends, our family, our co-workers, our neighbors, and those in this community that don't yet know you. Help us to walk worthy of the calling to which we have been called. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Our greeting team will be by to dismiss you row by row. Have an awesome rest of your Sunday, and be careful out on the roads.